Are you ready to take control of your life? Overcome the obstacles that have been holding you back. I'm Dr. D, and welcome to Quitting is Not an Option, a podcast that inspires and empowers you to reinvent your past and revolutionize your future. I know what it feels like to be held back by past failures and setbacks as I myself lost a multi-million dollar business, home, investments, and marriage due to the bad acts of a CFO. But I rose from the ashes and recreated a new life, and now I am an accomplished author, gifted speaker, consultant, and life coach. And each episode will cover tips and strategies to overcome adversity, overcome fear and feelings of failure. We also have experts and special guests who share their inspiring experiences to support you every step of the way. Together, we can help you find joy in your journey while positioning you towards success. Let's get started. Multiple sclerosis, better known as MS, is a disease in which the immune system eats away at the protective covering of nerves and that resulting nerve damage disrupts communication between the brain and the body. MS causes many different symptoms, including vision loss, pain, fatigue, and impaired coordination. The symptoms, severity, and duration can vary from one person to another. Some people may be symptom-free most of their lives, while others can have severe chronic symptoms that never, ever go away. Physical therapy and medications that suppress the immune system can help with symptoms and slow the disease progression. Living with MS means having to make a lot of hard decisions. One of those decisions is when or if you should stop working. But living with MS doesn't mean you have to stop in your tracks. Many people who are diagnosed with MS lead long, productive working lives. Some people still work successfully for many, many, many years. The most important thing is your health. Don't sacrifice your current needs or your MS treatment for anything without seeking professional support. Some things that you can do if you choose to continue working include adjusting your work schedule, taking a longer break instead of several shorter ones, and using adaptive devices to help you perform your job. Joining us today is Jory Fisher. Jory has enjoyed a diverse career in government and in entrepreneurship. She was a lawyer for 28 years and a founding faculty member and associate dean of Liberty University School of Law. She graduated Phi Beta Kappa, summa cum laude, from Southern Methodist University and holds graduate degrees from Middlebury College, the University of Virginia School of Law. 
Her honors and awards include Alignable Local Business Person of the Year in Bel Air, Maryland, ACHI Magazine Woman of Achievement, and the DAR Award for Women in American History. Zori's featured in two books, America's Leading Ladies and America's Star Entrepreneurs, and is a contributing author of The Successful Mind and The Successful Spirit. Jory and her husband live in Bel Air, Maryland, where she serves as a network and action community builder and franchise owner. She is passionate about helping small business owners excel and lead joyful, meaningful lives. Welcome, Jory, and thank you for joining us today. Well, Dr. D, I don't know how you found me, but I'm glad you did, and it is such an honor to be here. Well, I'm excited to have the PFAM hear your story and learn about quitting is not an option. Jory, you were a public service attorney, then became a private sector business owner, only to later discover you had contracted MS. Why did you decide to remain in business after discovering you had MS, knowing the challenges ahead? I couldn't imagine doing anything else. I've always been, I love what you say about quitting is not an option. And I've always been like that. I'm just, I don't consider myself a quitter. I told my mom at one point, I always land with my feet on the ground and I do. I really believe that experiences that happen in our lives serve very much as a foundation for what we do going forward, right? So you can look backwards to get an idea of how you're going to handle something going forward. So let me give you one example of that. I was 55 years old when I found out that I had not one, but two holes in my heart. So I had congenital birth defects. And at the time, that was when I was a professor and associate dean with Liberty University School of Law. And I remember being in the doctor's office when he first told me, and I just said, well, what's the downtime here? I mean, I I wasn't thinking, I assumed I'd have to have heart surgery to repair said holes, but it never dawned on me that I would quit. I just wanted to know what the downtime was. Well, in that particular case, We decided, my husband and I decided it was better for me to pivot. And the way I pivoted in that situation was I resigned from the law school. So I was there four or five years from its inception. And then I decided to work from home. I still had one daughter at home. And that was when I started my coaching business and I was still practicing law part-time. So that way I was able to take better care of myself and my daughter and our three dogs. (laughs) I was able to take better care of us from home than commuting all the way from one side of Lynchburg, Virginia to the other. So when I found out I had MS, I knew I would just need to pivot. So taking that time to assess the situation and then respond accordingly I'm sure made a big difference in you moving forward and having the ability to still be a good wife, a mother, 
and work all at the same time. Am I right? Yes. Uh, and of course, prayer came into that uh, and consultation with experts. When I was in Lynchburg, Virginia, I had symptoms of MS, but I didn't know it was MS. MS didn't come up. I mean, I went to a neurologist because of some symptoms I was having. I went to various doctors about other symptoms I was having, but nobody said the words MS. And I certainly wasn't thinking of it because the only person I knew who had MS God bless her. She's still alive, thank God. But she's been in a wheelchair ever since she first had an episode or a relapse or whatever you want to call it. And so to me, that's what MS looked like. And what I was having, which was all over the place, I mean, I guess there were different relapses, did not enter my mind that it was MS. So it was actually Dr. D, my dentist, who first suggested I needed to go to a neurologist after he was trying some things to help me with the very bizarre sensations I was having in my head. I describe it, I mean, it didn't hurt, but it was creepy. It was really creepy. And I felt like it was, <laughs> it was scratching my head. And then I felt like I had earthquake, tectonic plates moving in my head. I mean, it was just bizarre. And it was going on for several months and not stopping. And so it was my dentist after treatment with various things, including prednisone, who suggested I go to a neurologist. And then even after that, it was three neurologists later that he was saying, I think it's a very strong likelihood you have MS, but we still have to go through these other tests to make sure. And it took another year to finally get the diagnosis. But waiting for another year, did that negatively impact your MS? Yeah, good question. I think starting treatment, if you choose to be treated with medicine, which I did, and I continued to do so, then I would say the earlier, the better. I have a, another friend who leads this huge Facebook group, and they're all about natural remedies and eating properly and taking care of yourself with anything but medicine, I think. But even still, I think the sooner you can get a diagnosis, the better. Every once in a while, I hear about somebody who became maybe completely paralyzed on one side and they were able to get a diagnosis right away. But most of the people I know about, including a friend of mine from high school who took over a decade, it can take a long time to get a diagnosis. So the sooner you suspect it, I would say the better you start checking in with a neurologist and trying to get the scans that you need. I was very fortunate that the neurologist in Lynchburg, they actually had preserved the CD so that 15 months later, when I called them from Bel Air, Maryland and said, hey, do you by any chance still have that CD with my information on it? And they did. And I was able to get that to my present neurologist and he could compare how many lesions I had to what I had in, say, 2016, 2017, then because it's important to know how quickly they are growing. Somebody can have a lesion or two or maybe three, I don't know the number, and not have MS. Somehow it's not like, oh, I have a lesion, I must have MS. No, maybe it can be caused from something else. But if you have an increase of lesions, over the course of a certain time period, then that could be a sign of having MS. 
Do you have any idea what caused MS? Not mine. There are many, many theories. I would refer people to the National MS Society. Be careful about knockoff sites that may just be giving theories that aren't really based on hard science. I truly trust the National MS Society. So I would go, I believe it's nationalmssociety.org and and check that out. But there are some theories that people from certain parts of the world tend to have it more than others, maybe even ethnicities. But it seems like the farther away you are from the equator, that that can have something to do with it. Could be related to a virus. It could have started like my friend from high school. Maybe we were exposed to a virus when we were in high school. And for whatever reason, we were affected, but I'm just using this as a hypothetical, but our other classmates, to our knowledge, were not. A lot of people seem to think it could start as early as high school, maybe a little bit younger, but not show up until you're older. How are you dealing with it, Zori? 2017, when it was looking more and more like I had MS, even though we weren't 100% sure, is I had to change my business model. At the time, I was running mastermind programs. Uh, I'm I'm a business coach, and I was running mastermind programs in Hunt Valley, Maryland, and Towson, Maryland. And in order to keep a business full, as you probably know, you do need to be going around and networking and speaking and all of that great in-person stuff. And I was doing that, but I was absolutely exhausted. Fatigue is a huge part of MS and it was really wearing me out. So what I decided to do is I slowly closed down that mastermind and I decided that I was going to focus on Hartford County, Maryland, my local community, because I wouldn't have to travel as much. And I was still holding networking events. I was doing meetups, for example. But then COVID hit and I thought, well, the good news is I'm already in my own backyard. I'm not traveling all over Maryland. And I will just start taking some things online. And that's what I did. So I have a combination of an in-person organization where we meet at local brewery once a month. And that's really awesome. And then I also can do things online. And a lot of what I do online is through the Alignable organization. And as you do, Dr. D, I love Alignable. So I do some online events with Alignable that where I participate in, and I'm going to be leading them as well. And then of course, with my franchise, Network in Action, I do some online activities with that as well. That's a whole part of pivoting. So how do you find a work-life balance? You've talked about all this work that you're still doing from your personal side. You you got MS, you're balancing that out with it. So you have a three-prong approach here. So we got the business side. Yeah. What about the work-life balance? Okay. Let's say I had to adjust or pivot again, but very carefully, because what happened was in addition to MS, Dr. D, would you believe I also had osteoarthritis? And that might go back to my cheerleading dancing days. I have no idea. I don't know how, maybe it's hereditary, but particularly bad in my hips. So I had to have a total hip replacement in the fall. I had it 
September 7th. And then I had another surgery unrelated to that, but another surgery mid-October. And one of my daughters got married in October as well. So I had a, a lot going on. And when you have MS, you can have a tendency to heal more slowly than other people. So I have a couple of friends who have had hip surgeries and it's like, oh, it's not that big a deal. For me, it's been a big deal. I'm still healing. So I have not been as active as I normally am. I mean, thankfully, we do have Zoom, right? We do have the internet. So I've been able to stay active with that. And I have not missed any of my monthly socials. So I'm very happy about that. Even if (laughs) that first month, I had to go and just be propped up. (laughs) I had my walking sticks, you know, to get me to it. But I've not missed anything, which is good. But I have not been as energetic, if you will, as I normally am. You know what it's like when you have your own business. You need to continually be reaching out to new people. You need to be taking care of your current clients. And I know I have not been as on top of things as I normally am, but I have to give myself grace. And now listening to your body is a must. And that's any kind of chronic illness. How are you managing that? I see you're just kind of pulled in many different directions. I know you've said that you stop when you can't go, but are you taking the time to listen to your body and honor that without your body saying, stop right now? Mm, mm. Love your questions. Well, my neurologist described it as like, you have a certain amount of energy in a suitcase and you get a new suitcase every morning. And by the time that energy, (laughs) you take those clothes out, right? And uh, by the time you use up what's in your suitcase, it could be 12 noon, it could be 5 p.m. If you're lucky, maybe it's nine or 10, then you're done, right? So I just tell my family, I just need to sleep more. I, I just do. I mean, I sleep on average nine hours a night. So I will go to bed around 10 and get up around seven, but sometimes that seven turns into eight (laughs) o'clock. And thankfully I do have pets. So that prompts me to get up. But the listening to the body thing really is important. And I know, I mean, there are people who will do back-to-back Zoom calls. I can't do that. I just, I I get too tired. And it, it's interesting because I'm an extrovert. And so I get energy from people. You're firing me up, young lady, which is great. But, you know, too much of that. And I am just worn out. Yeah, I understand how that works because I definitely enjoy the energy that comes from other people. But we have to know how to be kind to us. And when you have a full schedule, it's difficult to do that. Mm -hmm. So any tips you want to give the PFAM for how to be kind to themselves, but honor that schedule at the same time? How do you balance it? Well, one thing, I was a purpose coach for a long time, and I think people really do need to be clear on their calling or their purpose or divine assignment, however you want to phrase that. And 
if your source of energy comes from faith, which is my experience, then be sure that you're tapped into that so that you can stay energized and listen to what your calling is right now. I mean, I'll give you an example. It can be frustrating for a young mother who, well, use me as an example, who was a lawyer, but then ended up with three itty bitty children. (laughs) I had twins when my oldest daughter was three. And you have to take time out, you know, to honor those little babies and to honor yourself. And it could be easy to say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, this isn't my calling. Or maybe you're taking care of a parent or a sibling or somebody, and you weren't expecting to be in a caretaker mode. Well, that is your calling at that time. So your calling can shift. I mean, anybody who does a career change, they'll know that at one point, maybe they were in corporate business or corporate law or whatever it might be, and they were going full bore on that. And now maybe they're running a nonprofit and they're going full bore on that. So you need to listen to your purpose. You need to listen to your calling. And what is it right now? Perhaps it's changed. For me, we have three children who are 30. It's a blended family. So I have my 30-year-old twins, and then they have a stepbrother who is also 30. So my husband and I aren't dealing with, if you will, younger children anymore. But even adult children have things come up where you need to help them. But it's just a completely different situation from when he and I were going to their games and going to their concerts and all of that, right? So time changes. As a time change, it could very well be that your purpose and your calling shift, and that's perfectly fine. So one tip that I would have Well, first of all, be clear on your purpose and look at it. Has it changed a little bit? And if so, then what can you do so that you get the energy that you need from an internal source? For some people, it's prayer. Some it's meditating. Some it's reading, resting, exercise, whatever it might be. You need to fill yourself up and be filled before you can go fill others. So I would say those are the two chief tips that I would be able to offer at this point. And purpose has such a great meaning across the board, because when you're in your purpose, you enjoy what you're doing. When you're in right. your purpose, you feel good about yourself. And so to balance that with dealing with MS or whatever chronic disease you have can really be the best option for you. So thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. I know when you left your law position to go into entrepreneurship, that was a big shift for you. If you were still in that law position, how do you think that would be different dealing with MS than in your own business now and dealing with MS? It would have been harder. If I were a court-appointed attorney, which, and I did a lot of that, as a court-appointed attorney, I could decide which cases I wanted to take in the sense that I could decide which court where I wanted to be called upon, right? And it could be that one court 
would be more demanding than another. And so I would just put my name in to be a court appointed attorney for another court or something like that. Or I used to specialize in child abuse and neglect as a guardian ad litem. And I could uh, say to that particular court, (laughs) um, I would like to just be called for guardian ad litem cases. So if you're in a particular situation where you can make adjustments like that, then that's great. But I can tell you that if a court is to call on an attorney and that attorney is to say no one too many times, that's it. You're taken taken right off the list. So I think it would have been harder in that respect because now I can say this fall, for example, while I was trying to recover from um, the hip replacement, I could just say, well, this is not the season right now for me to be trying to attract a lot of new prospects because I just need to focus on healing. Healing, rest and relaxation, that good old R&R. Yes. What, Zori, can you tell us what are some long-term effects of MS and how do you prepare for and manage them as you go forward? Interesting timing on that question because I just spoke with my neurologist. I see him every three months. I'm tested regularly. I get infusions twice a year for medication that's supposed to help me, right? So I just asked him on Tuesday, I said, Dr. Becker, and I love him, love him, love him. Dr. Becker, I will be 70 in March and my husband and I need to start thinking about what happens next. My husband's going to retire in a couple of years. Do I need to be thinking about living in a one-story home? You know, am I going to deteriorate? Because we think that like 80 to 90% of cases that are relapsing, remitting MS are RMS. The statistics I've read say that that can turn into, those cases will turn into secondary progressive MS. And let me explain progressive Primary progressive is as soon as you contract MS or start having symptoms, you're going to start getting worse. You don't ever have any kind of a remission. Secondary progressive is you've had RRMS for a while, typically, maybe 20 years, and now it's, it's turning into secondary progressive. And then at that point, like primary, it's going to continue to get worse, right? So I said, Dr. Becker, you know, (laughs) from what I've read, I think the chances are in my favor, depending how you look at that, that it will become secondary progressive at some point. What do you think about that? And he said, MS is a situation where you can look back at, say, the last 10 years, see how rapidly any changes occurred, and then that will help be an indicator for going forward. I felt actually encouraged because he said, looking at you, Jory, I don't think you have to worry about that because I was wondering if we are going to have to think about having a house with railings and everything else. As I said, I do have my walking sticks that I got after <laughs> after I had my hip replaced. And I have a walker also from the surgery. And it's like, hmm, am I going to need them for MS? But I was really encouraged when the doctor said that. So I'm going to act as if 
I'm not going to need them. And I think that will actually help me psychologically. Well, that's powerful within itself. And I love your attitude about everything. I love your commitment to flowing through the process and doing what needs to be done. Jory, are there any final tips or words of advice you would like to share with our PFAM, especially those who are dealing with MS? Mm. Have a support system, for sure. If you don't like your doctor, I would be inclined to say change. Dr. Becker is my fourth neurologist, the first one being in Virginia. I couldn't even reach him right now if I wanted to, but I had two others here in Maryland. And I finally went to a neurologist who specializes in MS. So if you can possibly do that, then go for it, right? You heard me say, I am a proponent of using everything that you can that's a resource for you, whether it be eating well, I try to do that, exercising as much as you can, I try to do that. And I, as I said, use medicine. If you choose not to do that, still make sure that you are aware of what foods would be the best for you. And gosh, there are so many different approaches to that. My neurologist says there's no no one particular diet that's better than another. Just try to eat healthy is how he puts it. So get good medical care that you really trust. I love my doctor. In fact, my husband and I went with him and his family and other MS patients from his clinic. We went out to Colorado to the Adaptive Sports Center. Dr. Becker each year, twice a year, takes some of his patients, those who can do it, out there. And we went in the summer and we were uh, using, you know, recumbent bicycles if you needed to do that. I mean, it was all adaptive, right? And we did all kinds of things. So stay active. Whatever you do, don't just sit on the couch and feel sorry for yourself. That brings us right to quitting is not an option. There you go. There you go. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please tell the PFAM how they can find you. Oh, well, thank you, Dr. D. I am on all the social media platforms. If you are a business owner, then please join us on Alignable. Dr. D is over there as well. And you can find me. I, I'm in, in all of my social media platforms. I'm either Jory Fisher, Jory H. Fisher, or Jory Hinkson Fisher. So I would say reach out to me there, or you can email me at jory at joryfisher.com. My website is joryfisher.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much again, Zori. And we appreciate you coming to share with us today. PFAM, thank you. And as always, you have been inspired and empowered on Quitting is Not an Option with Dr. D. Allow me to leave you with Jeremiah 33.6. Nevertheless, I will bring help and healing to it. I will heal my people and will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. Although we are aware that complete physical healing may not occur in this lifetime, we also know that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. PFAM, once again, thank you. Thank you once again, Jory. And take care.
be safe. Thank you for listening. I hope you found today's episode valuable and inspiring. Remember, you have the power to reinvent your past and revolutionize your future. If you want to continue on your journey towards emotional freedom and achieving your full potential, be sure to visit drdcarol.com. That's D-R-D-E-E-C-A-R-R-O-L-L.com for more resources and information. Again, thank you for listening. And until next time, remember that quitting is not an option.